One more soul. series we're getting close to wrapping this up there's not there's not a whole lot left in this passage we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter six, or 7 and then verse 6 through 14 give not that which is holy unto the dogs neither cast ye your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Therefore, all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be 
that find it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just ask that You'll be in this message tonight. Lord, I pray that You'll use it. I pray it will help us and it will encourage us. And I pray that it will challenge us to do what we can to try to make a difference in this world. In Your name we pray. Amen. This passage that we just read here, it probably seems a little bit like it's it kind of jumps around as far as the themes go and everything. But yet, as we look at this, uh, you'll find out they do kind of all go together. And kind of the theme of tonight's message is how to make a difference. How to make a difference. We God did not call us as Christians to just blend in with the world, to just be like everybody else. He saved us and He wants to set us apart and He wants to use us in a special way. And we see some of the things in here uh, that, that can kind of that can help us with that, but we'll start reading. In verse 6, that first verse I want to focus on, it sounds like a little more of an unusual passage, but it says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Now I know in our, our society and our culture, dogs are very beloved creatures. They are, uh, they're very loved and cared for. They're cute and cuddly. and uh, They live in people's houses. And people sometimes treat them better than they treat people. But in... The Jewish culture, that was not the case. Dogs were despised creatures. They were, uh, they were an abomination. They, uh, they didn't have pet dogs back then. They weren't even allowed to touch them. They were, they were considered unclean. Now, I understand, understand too that they hadn't been domesticated like they are. They haven't been breeded. They didn't have these, you know, cute little, you know, poodles running around that nobody was allowed to touch. You know, they were probably more like the coyotes and things. Uh, that you see running around that people still don't like, uh, but going and eating on all the dead carcasses and whatever junk they can find. But dogs were very despised. Also swine or pigs. Uh, they were very hated, despised creatures. Nobody liked them. They weren't allowed to eat them. Uh, Jews, they they did have to suffer. They weren't allowed to eat bacon or ham or uh, all those wonderful things that come uh, from the pig. And but Jesus says something here. He says, "Give not that which is holy unto the dogs." Okay, he's not talking here about actual canines or actual dogs. Uh, when he talks about, he said, "Neither cast ye your pearls before swine." Okay, and Jesus is trying to make a point here. And basically, number one, we see, be careful what you share with the lost. You know, as Christians, I'm not. I'm not saying that we are. Supposed to be secretive about what we believe? Absolutely not. I don't mind being bold. I don't mind proclaiming what I believe. But what he's trying to warn them here is: be careful about different situations you might get yourself into. Uh, you know, me. Uh, you know, I've, you know, I've worked a lot of secular jobs, and where I remember uh, when I got my first job at McDonald's, people would ask me about my beliefs, and you know, I was always. Taught, you know, challenge you always. You know, don't be afraid to let people know what you believe. You know, don't be afraid to let people know where you stand. And you know, and I agree with that. I believe that. But many times, people would start asking me questions about specific beliefs and things, and I would answer those, and it would only, usually it would result in being made fun of and having a whole lot of stupid, ignorant stuff said about me, about my religion, about the Bible. And I learned to be able to tell when people are asking a question because they really want to know, and when they're just wanting to make fun, when they're you know uh, when they're just wanting to scorn, or when they're just wanting to scoff. And there were times, there's been times that people have asked me about beliefs and things, 
And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk with you about that. I, I'm not, I'll usually try to change the subject to something else. You know, if they, if they want to get, I mean, if they're just wanting to mock or make fun, I don't have to subject myself to that. I, these, I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine. If, if, and what Jesus is saying there is if you were to take a bucket that normally, you know, for the pigs, they put all the slop in there, just all the junk, all the stuff that people don't want to eat, they'll take it. And, if you, and, the, and you walk that bucket out to those pigs, and those pigs, they'll get all excited when they see that slop coming. They'll get all excited. You can throw it out to them, and boy, they're thrilled to death. But if you were to take it, let's, if you were to take, go out to a pig farm and take that bucket of slop that they're used to seeing, that means I'm going to get something good to eat, and you were to put pearls in it, beautiful, valuable pearls, and then throw them out to the swine, they're going to get mad. They're going to come after you because they thought that they were, they thought that they were going to get food, and instead that you ended up giving them pearls which mean nothing to them. And many of the things that we believe as Christians, the, the things, the way that we live, the standards that we have, these things spiritually are pearls. They are wonderful things. And to try to give those to a lost person, it's only going to make them mad. I'm not going to go out to some part. If I see a person walking out on the street, and I'm out maybe inviting people to church, and boy, they're all pierced up and they're all tattooed up, and uh, I mean, and you can tell they're all, I mean they're doing drugs and all these. They their life's just a mess. I'm not going to go to that person and say, you know what? I think it's very important that you know you dress like a Christian. Okay. Their problem isn't their clothes they're wearing. Their problem is what's going on inside their heart. If I want to help that person, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give them some of those pearls and things. They're not going to understand them. They're not going to get it. I'm going to try to give them what they really need first, and that's Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to tell them about Jesus Christ and how He can save them from their sins. But some of the pearls and things that we have as Christians to try to give it to somebody like that, it's not going to do a thing for them. It's not going to help them. I could go and I could dress them up like me. I could put a suit and tie on them. I could comb their hair, but it's not going to make them a Christian. It's not going to help them one bit. Many times in churches today, people are getting people in church and they're getting them to, they're trying to give them all these pearls and things to get them looking like a Christian, maybe even acting like a Christian, but they haven't really been changed on the inside and it's only a matter of time they're going to realize this didn't do me any good and they're just going to turn again and they're going to rend you. They're going to come after you. They're going to attack. And uh, Jesus said, "Don't." He said, "Don't do that. Don't do that with the lost. Avoid." You know, and when talking to somebody who's lost, number two, avoid subjects that can only be understood spiritually. First Corinthians. You don't need to turn there. Chapter two, verse fourteen says, "But the natural man, talking about the lost, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him." That's why Christian people laugh at us, or not Christian people, lost people laugh sometimes. The things that we do to them is foolishness. You know, going to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. You know, what's that all about? You know, what you know, dressing different, acting different, not doing certain things. That's foolishness to them. They don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And it says, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They cannot possibly understand why. We, our culture today, it is very, very big in alcohol and in drinking. People cannot do anything these days 
without alcohol. They seem like they can't do it. And when you tell, I remember, you know, when I would I'd talk to people, and sometimes it would come up, and I would say, "Yeah, I've never, I've never drank alcohol," and it would just blow their mind. And what? You know, are you are you serious? Are you crazy? And sometimes it would lead to the mocking, and some. And it, but the thing is, they just wouldn't get it. And whenever, I, and once again, if I know somebody and they're lost and they have a drinking problem, I'm not going to concentrate so much on getting them to fix the drinking problem. I'm going to try to get them to fix the heart problem, accept Jesus Christ, and then they can understand why they shouldn't do some of these things. Okay, there, some things are spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. Um, it says, but who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. They have a different way of thinking. The verse before, verse 15, says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Not talking about the judging like we talked about two weeks ago, but that means they understand, they understand it. A Christian person, we, we can understand why lost people do what they do, but they can't understand why we do what we do. It says, "Yet he himself is judged or understood of no man." They don't. They don't get it. They're not going. They're not going to get it. So number three, the lost don't understand things like faith, sacrifice, holy living, separation. They they can't understand it. It's okay if they see it because that's what a lot of times gets them asking questions. That's one of the things that gets them. Uh, thinking maybe there's something different. Maybe this person has something I don't have. When they see a difference, if we're always blending in and we're, we do all the same things that the world does, we talk the same way. You know, when we get mad, we cuss every now and then, or we, I mean, we do these things too. If we're also getting involved in, in the work gossip, workplace gossip, if we're, uh, you know, in school, we're cheating on the test too, doing things like that, then they're, they're never going to notice. They're not going to notice anything, and they, people need to see a difference. They don't, but they need, um, they, they need to see that faith. It gets their attention. They're not going to understand it. But maybe if they'll, if when they see those things, that's, we use, we use that opportunity to point them to Christ. And if they can by faith accept Him, then they'll be able to understand all those things. It, it is beating your head against the wall to try to get lost people to understand Christians. It just, it doesn't work. And, um, it, it can't work. That's what the Bible says. So, number four, try to win them, or, by discussing or trying to win them by discussing deep things will only bring mockery and scorn. That's it. That's all. If you try to win them that way by talking about you know the way you dress or the way you talk or the things that you don't do, those things it's it's not going to work. They're just going to make fun of it. Don't cast your pearls before swine. And they're they're lost. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand it. So that then on the next verse, verse seven, uh, verse seven through twelve, uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on these verses. Just a few weeks ago, I, I uh, you may remember the message I preached on prayer. We talked about asking, seeking, and knocking. But I want to read this whole passage to you because it sounds like it goes from the subject we've been talking about, the casting pearls before swine, to prayer. To another subject, but you'll see here how they're all, how it actually all is together. It says, "Ask and it shall be given you; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." 
For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Number five, we are to treat people the way we want to be treated. That's what this passage is all about. Uh, uh, this this verse on prayer, we use that a lot. But when he's when he's telling them about that, that ask and re- ask, seek and knock. When he's telling them all that, he's saying all that to set up how us as evil people, you know, we know how to give good things. You know, we'll help our children. We'll help uh, you know those that we care about. You know, we'll help a father. We'll help his child. But then after that, he says, therefore, all things. I heard it put this way one time. Anytime you see the word therefore, it's meant to kind of get your attention. They say, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, the therefore is, it's talking about these other things. Therefore. So, therefore, all these other things we've been talking about, in relation to all these other things we've been talking about, Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. This is where the golden rule came from. The do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It, it came from Jesus. It, he was the one that, he's the one that started that. And, uh, what he's telling us to do here, number six, I believe we're at, numbers, is we need to put ourselves in their place. We need to put, we need to learn to put ourselves in other people's place. Yeah, that's a very important thing to do. We're talking about the pearls before swine. We're talking about the lost. We're talking about trying to make a difference. If we're going to do that, we've got to be able to put ourselves in their place. We need to try to think how I mean, how would I act if I was the one that was lost? How would I act if I was in their situation? You know, if I came from a home like that, how would I be? You know, maybe you know you're looking down on somebody because they're not you know they're not a very good wife. But maybe how would you act if you had their husband, or vice versa? You know, the, the, these kids maybe they don't behave very well. But ask yourself, how would I behave if my parents were like that? If I had that kind of parents, how would I be? Put yourself in other in other people's place. We're trying to make a difference, and so we've got to do that. So we see that uh, in number seven, we should remind ourselves of where we used to be. That's how we can put ourselves in somebody else's place. Think, okay, try to remember, think back. You know, I, I do that with different things sometimes. Even, uh, you know, this last week for King's Kids, I'm trying to think of ideas and things to do that would be fun for the kids. And one of the things that I would, you know, that I remember doing is I, I always try to go back to when I was a kid. You know, what did I enjoy doing when I was a kid? What got me excited when I was a kid? Back when I went to King's Kids, what did I enjoy doing? And you know, the older I get, the harder it is to go back and remember those remember those things. But when I was the youth when I was the youth director, I'd ask my you know, I would ask myself when trying to plan youth activities, what's something that I would have liked doing when I was a teenager. What's well, something I would that uh, I enjoyed then? There's a lot of things that I enjoyed like crazy when I was a teenager that I don't enjoy now. 
That's just not as not as fun to me anymore. You know, we change. And when somebody gets saved, there is a huge change that takes place. And sometimes we forget what it was like before we were saved. And we need to learn to put our, try to put ourselves in their place, remind ourselves of where we used to be. Maybe you know, if, maybe if you used to be a drunk, that might help you be more merciful to the one. Try to think, you know, what would have gotten through to me as when I was working in the school back at Lighthouse uh, as a teacher. I would I would try to do that. You know, when I'm trying to help one of the kids learn something, I would I would try to go back to when I was in school because I wasn't the greatest student in the world. I, I wasn't I wasn't the model student. I tried to think, you know, what what was it that helped me learn? What was it that finally made this click with me? And I try to put myself in their place. I tried to have uh, you know have their mentality, and it's not always an easy thing to do, but that's one way. Uh, the next thing you could do, number eight is we need to remember what others did for us. Remember what others did for us. Matthew chapter 18, I want to read a passage to you from Matthew chapter 18. This is, a, this is one thing I do, I try to do all the time. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents, before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. But the same servant went and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I, I, I've always kind of liked the mental picture there. You know, if somebody has something or they owe me something, you know, I just, you know, <laughs> I've said, Pay me that thou owest. You know, I, I don't usually wring their necks, but no. Uh, I've always kind of thought the mental picture there was kind of funny. But here you've got a guy, he had a large debt, it was forgiven him. Somebody has a small debt, and he doesn't forgive them. You know what happened to this man? He, we see in the story, I'm not going to take time to read the rest of it, but he forgot what somebody else had done for him. That man who had forgave the large debt, when he found out what he did to this other man, he went and had him thrown in the prison. And rightfully so, because he's thinking, I forgave you a great debt, and you can't forgive this small debt? We've got a problem here. And I, if we could think back, I think all of us, we ought to be able to remember th- good things that people have done for us that helped us. Think about those who had an impact on your life. Think about those who maybe, uh, whoever it was that led you to Christ. Remember that and think, you know what? I need to do that same thing for somebody else. I need to do that. You know, as, as children, you maybe every once in a while you'll think about something your parents used to do for you. And you know, if you need to try to pass that on, do the same thing. For your children, since we've started this church, I've had many churches and pastors that have that have helped us and that have been a blessing to us. And one of the things that I've done, just kind of a personal goal, I've kept track of those things. And I'm hoping that as a church, that we can do those same things for other people someday. You know, churches that were a blessing in one area someday. I, I want to do that for somebody else. I want to always remember what people have done for me, and then I want to do that same thing. For somebody else. That's how you can make a difference. We need to remember what others did for us. Also, 
Another thing you can do, you can say, well, nobody's ever done anything for me. Well, then this one's for you. Number eight, we need, uh, or we need to think about what we would have wanted others to do for us. Actually, that was number nine. Think about what you have, would have wanted somebody else to do for you. Maybe you, maybe there's been a time in your life where you came in a hard time and you wanted help. You wanted somebody to be there for you. You wanted somebody to do something for you and nobody came through. If that happens, you need to make sure that you don't let that happen to somebody else when you're around. I've heard people before, you know, they complain because the church just, they'll say the church isn't friendly. I don't feel welcome. Nobody shook my hand. Well, you know what? Okay. That, it shouldn't be that way. That's too bad. But why don't you make sure, why don't you remember that and make sure that doesn't happen to somebody else? Why don't you make it, uh, make it a point that no visitor is ever going to come through this church without you greeting them? That you're going to make sure that somebody always greets the visitors. That somebody talks to them. Maybe you've been somewhere before and, and you wanted somebody to talk to you and be friendly and nobody did. Make sure that never happens to anybody else. Maybe uh, you had, you were in a financial situation and you needed some help and nobody came through. You see somebody else in that same situation. Don't say, when I was there, nobody did anything for me. Just say, so I'm not going to do anything for you. No, say, when I was in that situation, nobody helped me. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen to them. Very important. Remember what you would have liked somebody else to do for you. I think that's very important. Some of the most... Selfish people in the world and unhappy people, they're ones that are always talking about just all the bad things that people did to them. Or they'll talk about how nobody did anything for them. And the truth is, those people ought to be the best at not letting these things happen to other people. And that's that's the kind of attitude we need to have. We need to have what whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do even so to them. Whatever, and you know how he said, and whatsoever. So in, in anything, I mean, we could take this, we could take this all kinds of different ways. I mean, right now, what would you like some? What would you like somebody to do for you? You know, what do you feel that you need from somebody else right now? If you think you need something, go do it for somebody else. If you think, man, I would really like it if you know somebody. In front of me and drive through, paid for my food. Okay. Why don't you do it then? You do it for somebody else. That's what God said. In all things. He said, in all things, whatsoever ye would. Therefore, all things. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a Christmas present you want somebody to buy you this year. Go buy it for somebody else. Whatever, whatever it is. Do those things. Think about what you would like done for you and you do it for somebody else. Some people, boy, they just sit around always waiting for somebody to do something for them. That terrible attitude to have. It's good. I can guarantee it will keep you miserable. Don't be that way. Whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. And then this takes us to verse 13. And this is huge. All right, If you're going to make a difference, this is important. And that is simply... Don't follow the majority. Don't follow the majority. It says, "Enter ye in at the straight gate." In other words, that straight it's talking about narrow. It's something that's narrow. It's small. Enter at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, 
And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That path that we're supposed to be on, it's not a wide path. There's not that many people on it. It's It can be kind of a lonely path sometimes. But that's God said that's the way that lead to life. He said few there be the fun. That's scary. That's scary. Jesus said the way that leads to life. Few find it. I think that can, I think this applies to salvation, but I think it also applies to just you know godly living and living a happy life, living the life of a wise man who has built his house on the rock. It's it's a very it's a very narrow path. There's not a lot of options. Now we live in this community right now. Uh, there's a whole lot of options when it comes to churches, when it comes to religions. We got a little bit of everything out here. I mean, we got Catholics, we got Lutherans, we got Mormons, we've got Presbyterians, we've got I mean, I mean, you name it. It's pretty much out here. There's a lot of options, and I know you know the news media. They're always talking about how wonderful that is, and you know we need to celebrate. Uh, you know we need to celebrate it. We all need to you know respect it all. But the you know the Bible says that straight is the gate, the the way, or straight is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And uh, if you're following the crowd, chances are you're going the wrong way. The majority is usually wrong. The majority is usually wrong. Number eleven, Exodus twenty-three two says, "Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in the cause to decline after after many to rest judgment." He said, "Don't follow a multitude to do evil." Uh, in this country today, I mean, there it is. It scares me to death. How much it seems like the world all thinks like. I mean, the news media. You turn on NBC, and they're saying what? There's they got their commentators talking about some stupid issue, and you go to CNN, and they're all basically saying the same garbage. It's just it's the same junk. You know, you have a guy like Kirk Cameron that gets up and he says what he believes about homosexuality, and the news media just goes absolutely bonkers. Because nobody think, nobody else is saying that, and here and but you know why? Because I believe the guys act. I know you know we don't agree with them theologically and just about everything, but I believe the guy's saved, and his way of thinking is going to be a lot different. It's not like the majority of the people on television and stuff. The majority is usually wrong, and the Bible says not to follow a multitude. To do evil, it doesn't matter what direction that the country is going. It doesn't matter. We don't follow a multitude to do evil. We do right, even if it means we're all by ourselves. I don't know if you realize this, but the majority is wrong on salvation. You know, you ask. I mean, most religions today, most the majority of religions, the majority of people. Even a majority of people that call themselves Christians probably, I think, could even fit in this category. If you ask them how to get to heaven, it somehow is based on good works. That's what most people believe. People who rely completely and wholly on Jesus Christ and Him alone, 
We are becoming a smaller and smaller minority. The majority is wrong on salvation. The Bible said it was going to be that way. Many people are going through that gate of good works. It, most of your Muslim people, that they believe it's somehow based on works. The Catholic crowd, uh, even even like the Mormons and uh, the the Buddhists and some of these religions that have, I mean, literally just millions and millions of people, they've taken that gate of good works. And then there's this small crowd here and there. We've never been the biggest in number that's saying, no, it's only through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And people look at us and think because you know we're smaller in number that we're just some goofball bunch. But my Bible says that it was going to be that the majority was going to be wrong when it came to salvation. That many would lead on that broad way that leads to destruction. That's what the Bible says. The majority is wrong on salvation. The majority is wrong on morality. They're dead wrong. This. Uh, marriage debate that we're having in this country, I don't even know why we're debating it. There is, there is no debate as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's pretty crystal clear what's right, but yet people are scratching their head about it. And, and, not, even, and not even just when it comes to uh, the homosexual part of it, just the whole uh, domestic partnerships, even with men and women, the shacking up business. I mean, marriage is the sanctity of marriage is just gone. The the divorce that's going on in this in this world. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. Fewer and fewer people. I mean, it's very rare you hear the numbers on how many kids get out of high school without losing their purity. Let alone make it to the marriage altar pure. I mean, that number is very is getting smaller and smaller all the time. And let me tell you, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. My Bible says the the majority is going to be is usually going to be wrong, and I'm here to tell you that they are wrong when it comes to morality. God did intend for one man and one woman for life. God does expect us to stay pure until marriage. God does He expects us to live clean lives. God expects us to be honest. Say honesty. You know, you don't hear a lot about that, but honesty is just out the window. I mean, you and I know. You know, we're we're going into an election season, and I'm I'm here to tell you that, boy, I'm I'm not excited about our options. I'm not. I wish we can get a good, honest guy. I don't trust any of them. But you and I know, if anybody was honest, the media would just go absolutely bonkers. They would go nuts. They wouldn't have. You know, they say they wouldn't have a chance, and a part of me thinks that, but I, I don't know, I almost think if somebody actually would be honest, that I think it would get a lot of people excited. But truth is, honesty, people don't care about it. Christian people today even, they, they do not keep their word. They, their word means absolutely nothing. They do not mind telling you one thing and then turning around and going and doing something completely different. Now, listen, I'm used to people lying, but I wish I, I wish I didn't have to get used to Christians lying. You know, I, I go out knocking on doors and I, I enjoy doing it. And I'll be inviting people to church. And it's amazing how many people will tell you, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Let me tell you, if I tell somebody I'm going to be there tomorrow, if I'm not there, it's going to be because I have a real good reason. And they're going to get a phone call me letting them know why I'm not going to be there. But it means absolutely nothing. 
I remember on our bus route, we had we had these these kids and the mom every Saturday we'd go by and visit, and she was always like, "Oh yeah, they're going to be there. They'll be there." And the next morning we go, and they weren't going to be. They weren't. They weren't coming. They were still sleeping or whatever. And the next morning or the next Saturday we go there and visit again. Oh yeah, they're going to be there. Make sure you stop by. They're going to be there. And and for weeks and weeks this would go on, and I would just I want to pull my hair out and say, "Listen." I know that you know I want to hear that the kids are coming. When I go and I knock on somebody's door and I invite them to church, I want them to say, I'm going to come. But not if they're not going to. If you're not going to, if you have no intentions of doing it, that's fine. Just tell me. I would rather you tell me the truth and just say I'm not going to than to lie to me and then you'll get my hopes up and not do it. But people don't care. You just can't, you can't trust people these days. You can't. There's not a lot of honest people left. The majority probably aren't. But that doesn't mean we're wrong. That's probably proof once again that we're right. We ought to keep our word. The majority is also wrong on just how to live. When it comes to behavior and discipline. I mean, I mean you listen to these public, the public school people I mean, talk about or the experts talk about how to discipline kids and how we need to handle things in the school. Which, many times their methods are just do nothing. I mean, and look how it's working. I mean, look at just... I mean, it's, it seems like it's getting more and more common to hear about a shooting in school. And not just even young kids. On college campuses. On, yeah, on college campuses. I mean, you, I mean, you would think by the time somebody is in college, they will have kind of gotten their emotions and things in check and learn how to handle a few things. But no. They're going and taking guns in and shooting people up. Adults going into workplaces doing these kind of things. Absolutely out of control. No behavior. or No self-control. And we, they hear us talk about you know, what the Bible has to say and they look at us as some kind of nut jobs. Even though what we're doing is working, and they don't—they don't seem to get it. And things like dating. I mean, we got—we got parents that don't have a problem with their kid, their sons dating a girl when he's like 12 years old. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, they don't need to do that. They're teenagers now. You know, let's let you know. Let's let them. You know, that's just what teenagers do. And then they all then they you know they get older and they can't seem to keep their hands off each other. Oh, well, that that's just that's normal. It's okay. No, it's not. My Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman, but it says but to avoid fornication. It says let him marry. So if they're not ready to get married, then don't let them around each other too much because they're going to want to touch. It's completely natural. It's completely normal. And that's why, but you say something like that in this world today, people think you are crazy. That's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Because let me tell you, what they're doing is not working. And I'm going to keep on doing things because my Bible says, straight is the gate that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And if we're going to make a difference, there's a song that a kid's song that, that I always enjoy. It's called, If You Want to Make a Difference, You've Got to Be a Little Different. 
And that's the case. We've got we've got to be we've got to be different. One of the things that I've always tried to do uh, for years, I went to the detention home, and I talked to kids in the detention home, and and these kids, boy, when you tell them about our way of living as Christians, I mean, it was completely new to them. I mean, they they'd never heard of these things, and people would think you, you haven't got a chance. How in the world are you ever going to get? Be able to get through to them or change anything. I was like, I don't know if I will, but you know what? I at least want to show them that there is an alternative. All they know is that life of alcohol and drugs and violence. That's all they know. Of impurity, that's all they know. I want them to get to see that there is something else out there. That there are people out there who don't get involved in those those things. There, there's people that that are different, and that the things they're doing. Are working these days, you know, when kids start getting out of control, parents, it's like they just throw their hands up and like, oh, that's normal. I get, you know, this is just part of life. This is just a phase they're going through. No, that shouldn't be happening. God told us how to avoid it. He told us how to build our house on a rock, how it can stand. And I believe that the house that's going to stand is not the one that's just in survival mode. Not just the one that's just kind of the, the undercover Christian, but it's going to be the one that's out there actively on purpose trying to make a difference, trying to set an example, trying to show people an alternative. We're, we're one of the weird churches in town. We have church on Sunday night. It's okay. I know more and more churches aren't doing it, but that's fine. We're going to keep doing it. I believe it's, I believe it's good. I believe it's, it's helpful. I believe it's necessary. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing it. I don't mind, I don't mind being the oddball church. Cause chances are, when you're the oddball, you're probably you're probably the one that's going the right way. So with that, I hope that I hope that's helped you. Now. I hope it showed you some things on how you can make a difference. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.